The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 112 of the Golden Mike Podcast. As always, I am the noise of the North, Dan Mano, recording from my Windy City studio in Chicago, Illinois. I want to wish everyone listening a very happy new year. I hope you guys had a blast. And to help get 2019 started off on the right foot, here's your bi-monthly dose of audio sunshine. For those of you guys wondering... I personally spent the holiday season up here in Chicagoland, freezing my tail off. And between you and me, I cannot wait to get back down to Orlando, Florida later this month. Feel the warm air once again, get back in the water. But first, a little update on all things DTM, Daniel the Mano. Next week, I'll be at the Chicago Boat Show posted up at the Centurion Boats booth with Twin Lakes Marine, promoting Twin Lakes Corn Fest that's coming up. August 16th and 17th in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, the second year in a row. I hope you guys can plan a trip and make it up and out for that. If any of you guys are around, please feel free to stop on by. Say what's up to myself and the crew. We're going to have some custom Corn Fest yo-yos. We're going to be giving away some custom Corn Fest buttons, some other swag. We got a custom Corn Fest Plinko board made. It's pretty amazing. Also, I'm going to be recording an episode of the Golden Mike podcast on location from the boat show. There's going to be factory representatives from the biggest boat manufacturers and brands. I even talked to my good pal, Eric Ruck. He's going to be out there, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you guys out for that. And if you can't make it, well, then listen for the episode that should be coming out very, very soon. Speaking of episodes, we have a very, very special episode in store for you guys today. Instead of the usual guest interview, I wanted to bring you guys... The best interviews, well, decided by you, the listeners. See, I took a look at the analytics of all the podcasts over all the years, and I chose the most downloaded episodes of the Golden Mike podcast. I listened to over eight hours of my self-talking and all of my old podcasts, which for those of you who know me know that that is my actual nightmare. But I do it for you guys and your listening pleasure. It was actually pretty awesome. I was stoked to go back and hear how far I've come listening back nearly 80-some episodes. Well, and speaking of the best of, we figured our best of episode deserves one of our best sponsors ever, and I'm talking about SeaDeck, of course. You see, SeaDeck Marine Products is the industry leader in innovative flooring solutions, supplying the best boat builders in the world with comfortable, 
durable, non-skid flooring systems. C-Deck is available in a variety of sizes, thicknesses, and colors, and they have a worldwide network of certified installers ready to help you design the custom kit of your dream. For free samples, more information, check out www.cdeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com for durability, comfort, and an incredible look and feel. Your boat deserves Cdeck. All right, well, today we have highlights from my interviews with the likes of David O'Keefe, Scott Byerly, Sean Murray, Harley Clifford, Dallas Friday, Brad Smela, and a little clip from Eric Ruck. I went through hours of interviews. I took my favorite clips, and today I share it with you. But before we get into it, I have to remind you all to please continue to spread the word about this, the Golden Mike Podcast. You already know there's no other podcast in the toad water sports industry that has continued to deliver high-quality content for half a decade straight, and we're only getting better. But guys, I can't do it all on my own. Here's how you can help. Be sure to subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. Tell all your friends and your family members to do the same exact thing. And after you listen to the show, please take a minute to rate it five stars. We're up to 105 five-star ratings, 69 reviews, but with your help, we can get it so much higher. I'm talking quadruple digit, folks. What do you say? A five-star rating helps increase the visibility of this podcast and in turn helps grow the toad water sports industry as well. So let's all grow together. What do you say? And just so you know, if you do take the time to write a review, I'll take the time to read it right here on the podcast. You guys, imagine this, my voice, the silky smooth sounds of Dano the Mano sharing your message to the entire world. Isn't that motivation enough? I'll even personally send you a free Golden Mike podcast t-shirt while supplies last, of course, to thank you for your support. Just shoot me an email, screenshot your review once it posts on iTunes or the podcast app. Send that to goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike podcast on Facebook, and I'll be happy to send you your new favorite gear via t-shirt, baby. Unfortunately, I think uh, with holiday season, we didn't really receive too many extra reviews this last week. But in keeping with the theme of today's episode, I went back and I picked the best five-star review I could find, or one of my favorite five-star reviews in general. And it comes to us from Go Blue Radman, who last year wrote, Dano does a great job of interviewing past, current, and future legends in Toad Water Sports. His event casts and contest casts are an excellent way to keep up with all that is going on in amateur and pro water sports today. My eight-year-old son and I often listen to these while driving, and I appreciate that Dano keeps these kid-friendly most of the time. I highly recommend the Golden Mike podcast. Thank you so much for the kind words, Go Blue Radman. I'm so happy that you're able to turn this podcast into a bonding experience with your son. I had so many experiences on the water with my dad when I was growing up, spending every weekend out at the lake with my family. How heartwarming is that, guys? Great review right there, and I thank you much. As a reminder, you and your kids can listen to the Golden Mike podcast also on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and a wide array of podcast listening apps on Android devices, as well as on my very own website, 
www.noiseofthenorth.com. You can also follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow me personally on Instagram at Dano T. Mano and on Twitter at the Golden underscore Mike to stay up to date with all the latest and greatest Golden Mike Podcast news, whatever that might be. All right, here we go. Our first clip comes from our most listened to edition of the Golden Mike Podcast ever, episode 54, recorded all the way back in fall of 2016 down in Orlando, Florida. It features none other than the goofy Irishman himself. What a rad dude, David O'Keefe. I remember uh, before we recorded that episode, it was down at the Boathouse Studio and outside of Orlando, Florida. David showed up. It was a pretty calm day. We went out on my lake, Lake Sawyer, and we shredded on some old school devices, a la a disc, uh, some trick skis. David took a run through the slalom course. I went barefooting. David actually included our rides on his daily vlog, which is titled The Best Day Ever. I'm just saying that it's some pretty high praise right there. David is heavily active on social media and his YouTube channel, David OC. That has over 6 million combined views, over 320 quality videos, and over 42,000 subscribers. So you know he's doing something right. You can tell he genuinely loves the sport, and that's why he's become such a great ambassador for it overseas and all around the world. He's been announcing some of the biggest Red Bull events over in Europe, and I'd like to think that I taught him everything he knows, but the fact is, is we've never actually announced together, but I hope in 2019 that changes. Uh, He even placed this last year number one on Wakeboarding Magazine's well-known readers poll that's voted by the readers, voted by the fans. He beat out legends like Sean Murray and the phenom Harley Clifford, who both coincidentally are going to be featured later on in this actual podcast. Well, guys, if that isn't enough, check this out. O'Brien Watersports, well, they've given David his very own signature graphic on a board that sells out every time it's released. O'Brien's been a big supporter of this, the Golden Mike podcast, and David O'Keefe himself, and I can't stress how limited the release of the David O'Keefe signature graphic are, so be sure to check out O'Brien.com before they're all gone. And while you're there, be sure to check out O'Brien's diverse lineup of skis, wakeboards, surfers, tubes, accessories, and so much more. There's no doubt in my mind that you'll be able to find whatever it is that you need to have an absolute blast on the lake anytime you hit the water. To find a local dealer and to stay up to date with all the latest O'Brien news, just head on over to O'Brien.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N.com. All right, all right. Without further ado, let's do it. Let's hear from David O'Queefe himself right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Obviously, a lot of your stuff you do grab, but okay, I would just say trick for trick. If you were to compare your chromobe to someone like Dean Smith's chromobe, Dean's grabbing the nose, hanging on to that nose until the last second, taking it so far out of the flats. But at the same token, Dean's riding huge G-wakes yeah, no, all the time. Well, I mean, Dean's like nearly the worst example because he's literally like my favorite pro waiter to watch. Like, I, I, as a person, he's just like the nicest guy. Um, but I would like to like, 
whereas a lot of people would maybe ride like really like that's kind of different because that's like some Randall Harris stuff right there where he just boots in at the wake but for me like my riding and st- like I do try I, I definitely don't grab enough I'm fully aware and I wish I would grab more and I am working on it but where I like to do is like playful stuff more like Nick Davies if you remember like a few years ago that was a huge inspire or Parks Bonifay like kind of the older school tricks and just like popping around like TikTok and into takeoffs and all stuff. that stuff is like my favorite like genuinely anything slightly different is my favorite stuff like everyone's like oh well like you don't grab like a Chrome Up 5 but like in my like the way I see it is like everyone doesn't know grab Chrome Up Five. I don't like I wouldn't even do a Chrome Up Five in a contest really because like, it's not consistent enough. In all honesty, um, but in my free riding in my free time, I like to play rather than like do like big old steez. Like I'd love to, and I don't get me wrong, I love watching it. But just for me personally, playful stuff is what gets me buzzing. Hey man, it, it's wakeboarding, and at the end of the day, it should be fun, and it should be fun for you, and it shouldn't really matter what anybody else is doing. And then and the reality is, is no matter what anybody says, you're inspiring others to get out there. You're getting more eyes on the sport. And what, what else is important is you're getting more feet and boots and more butts and boat seats. You know? <laughs> I like that. Thank you very much. That's a good compliment to get from you as well. So thank yeah, you. Man, is there a, a chance for boat sales to ever kind of rise in Ireland? In a hundred percent. Do you know why they haven't sold? And this is like getting so into like economics, but there was obviously a crash worldwide, but it hit Ireland super bad. We had huge inflation with property and property prices were so high and everyone ended up in negative equity. And only like in the last, I'd say six months, we're properly coming out of it. And so in America, there's a culture to to have everything on finance and like cars on finance, everything's on finance over here. Whereas in Ireland, like we're kind of known as the what we call the stingy nation. So we won't buy anything we can't afford. So the problem is the only people who buy boats are people who can buy a $150,000 boat outright. So there's no finance. However, I spoke speaking to some of the boat distributors and dealers in Ireland, and they've said that there's banks coming to them now with finance available. So I think with that coming up, I think, and now also, I mean, we're hugely in Europe influenced by what goes on in the States, 100%. So like, for example, like those trampoline rooms, they were over here for the last 10 years. In the last three years, there's loads of them in Europe. So I think now... We're seeing this as like, oh, we can have that stuff that we can't really afford now. And I think people will get finance and then I think boat sales will increase. On top of just the economy increasing, uh, big companies like Google, Apple, all them are coming into Ireland and that's just more money in the economy. Well, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing because I do remember when I was there in 2007, the shorelines were packed. There was tons of people there. I know that Toad Water Sports in general is big there, yeah. not just wakeboarding. There's Absol- no, absolutely big yeah. water ski events that go out on yeah. there. You guys have great athletes. So, absolutely. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully uh, it does grow and hopefully more people do get the opportunity to get those boats on the water. And speaking of the water, I mean, you guys have beautiful so, lakes and rivers. See where I am. So I'm from Dublin and I live in Dublin, but where I kind of spend my summer is in the Midlands. Um, and it's a small county. It's called County Cavan. And there's 365 lakes, one for wow. every day of the year. So, and there's, they're everywhere. Like I could throw a stone from one lake to another. It's, it's kind of like Florida, but just really cold. Well, you guys don't have 365 <laughs> days a year to, to ride. And that, and that was something else I wanted to, to touch on was the weather. Um, you know, uh, you and I were out on my lake earlier today before recording this and it's Florida. 
we get a little bit of rain every day, but it's not so bad when it's warm out, right? Yeah, exactly. It's warm rain, as we call it. Yeah, it is cold. The rain's not as bad as people, I guess, think stereotypically. Like, we get rain, but what happens is it might only, it will be for like six hours in a day, but we can have a break. And so when that half an hour break comes, you can't hum and haul and go get food. You just have to hit it hard then. Um, however, it is cold, and that's the biggest thing. So we can kind of only properly like whiteboard where you can progress from maybe april to october and then after that it's just too cold hey, well that's kind of like where i grew up in the chicago land uh, wisconsin yeah. border up north in america and you know you you get a you're lucky if you get some april yeah. you got to be dedicated though so what's too cold for you too, I, there hasn't been a too cold i'll be quite honest so since i was about i'd say 12 or 13 when I kind of started like really getting into my wakeboarding. And you're like 22 right now. 22 right now, yeah. So maybe 10 years ago. Um, I was obviously based in Ireland. I went to school in Ireland. And so then at weekends, I like kind of just wakeboarded. And it was really cold. And there was like three or four of us that would go out every single weekend. So it would be like zero degrees Celsius. And like, I actually swear this happened one time, like my dad went mental at me and he never gets angry because we were like breaking the ice with the boat to go out wakeboarding. And that was like kind of the coldest I've ever been out in. But you can, like the thing is, you know, it's actually so, I actually nearly prefer wakeboarding in the winter because in the summer, like when you do it as a career or profession, you can get quite frustrated with yourself when you're not progressing or when you're not doing the stuff you can do. Whereas in the winter, you genuinely only go out because you really want to go out and wakeboard and just get back into the water uh, or on top of the water. So that is kind of the thing. So when you're out there in the winter, you're just enjoying it. You're not trying your hard tricks. You're just playing. And that goes back to the playful stuff in the style. That all came from the winter, just doing a 15-minute set without getting wet. So I'm not... And you can't bend in a 5 mil wetsuit in the freezing cold. So that's why you got to find other, other stylish things to do, I guess. David is always great to talk to you and... I can totally see why that episode was so popular. Our second most listened to podcast is episode 33, and it features the godfather of all things wake, Scott Byerly. We recorded this interview in late December 2015 in Scott's home, and I'll never forget how exciting it all was. He had the OG wake tech wakeboards up on the ceiling. He had his Flight 69, like the first twin tip hanging up there. He had his first signature model wakeboard from Hyperlite, all the first Hyperlite wake skates. His awards, including his 1994 WWA Wakeboard World Championship trophy. And one day, they'll turn his house into like a wakeboarding museum and it'll be deemed a historical landmark in one of the most historical parts of Orlando, Windermere. Scott is a huge living legend. He helped innovate the sport and elevated to new heights that no one had ever seen before and even though he's lived a pretty big life Scott is very quiet he's a humble guy Scott will even tell you himself he's not always the easiest dude to interview but we did get some really great stuff in our little chat and I'm happy it resonated with so many people without further ado let's get into it here's a couple of clips from Scott Byerly. You always had the best mix of tricks and style, but what I what I found was um, always to be so impressive with you was how you were able to do the tricks you were doing with basically no wake at all, even though you were loading the boats down. Do you think that the kids these days are spoiled by the big wakes? If that's what you want to call it, spoiled. Spoiled or lucky? Lucky. Yeah? Lucky for sure. 
Okay, so we're we're talking about your tricks, and obviously, uh, in my opinion, they were ahead of their time. You're an innovator and a creator of tricks. Uh, you invented the Pete Rose. Can you break down how how that all went down? How you invented it? I don't know. We we were always doing toe side rolls and rolls to revert. You just kind of just kept going with it, you know. If you learned something, you did a one eighty with it, and then you grabbed it, and then you do a 360 with it. So all the tricks were kind of went like that. Were they I always any... fell out the front. I don't know who came up with Pete Rose, but it looked like I was sliding in the home like Pete Rose when I fell. So we dubbed it the Pete Rose. But you were always finding ways to ride big wakes too, right? You mean? I mean, we were always pulling the plug out or filling buckets with concrete or putting a waterbed mattress in the back or, or going out and riding behind somebody's like or yacht. riding behind mcdougall's parents sea ray boat at lake powell that was fun or doug duquesne's photo boat back in the day those were like that was when we first put the rope up high on his tower and then they started making towers after that so who whose idea was the flight control tower i know nautique you've been sponsored by nautique i like, mean we were riding behind doug duquesne's boat before that Nautiques had the flight control tower. So maybe but were they you saw the guy photos to take it? of that and then they came up with it. I don't know. Okay, so it wasn't like one but of... But Nautiques did have the first tower on the boat. It wasn't like you going to the factory and being like, guys, I've been riding on Doug Duquesne's photo boat off of the off of the tall, you know, uh, spot. I didn't personally tell him that, no. Scott, let's talk about some wakeboard movie stuff. What do you think has changed about wakeboard movies? We don't really see... I mean, back in the day, I don't think you saw the, them. Back in but... the day, that's all you had was wakeboard movies. You know, you'd wait all year for the video to come out. And nowadays, you see everything that day on social media. Um, I don't know. Like, I liked it back in the day where it just meant a little more, I think, and it lasted a lot longer. Nowadays, this stuff's just hot. And then it's not. With the internet, obviously, the way we take our media, the way we take, you know, take wakeboarding in these days, it's a lot different. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, you know, we don't have some of the OG uh, videographers, you know, with, with that OG vision still. Yeah, it's a lot different for sure. When I started shooting, you know, they were shooting film cameras, you know, FLF and ron was sideways now anybody can shoot just the cameras are so easy to shoot um easy to upload to your social media and all that stuff um i think a lot of the dudes now you know we are just shooting each other and i know it's it's a little easier to work with somebody that you ride with every day and you can work with every day. So I think you could probably get way more better content out of it for sure. Versus back in the day, the people would come in for a week and you'd ride with them and you wouldn't be able to see any of the stuff until they developed it. And that would be like a month later. Well, where now you can watch it on the boat when you're done. See if you got it. If you didn't go back out there and do it again. Scott is still very much involved in the sport of wakeboarding to this day, mentoring riders and sharing his wisdom with the next generation. He's even out there riding himself. And I don't know if you guys knew this, 
but he's been riding with Hyperlite for nearly two decades. They still have his signature boards in the line, and that's because Hyperlite is the past, present, and future of wakeboarding. The brand provides riders with the absolute highest quality equipment guaranteed to take their riding experience to that next level. Hyperlite's team of dedicated shapers, riders, and manufacturers pour thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into researching and developing their products in order to stay at the forefront of our ever-changing sport. Head on over to hyperlite.com to keep up with all their latest products, videos, and news. And speaking of Hyperlite athletes, our third most listened to podcast is episode number 43. Can you guess who it is? That's right, my friends, the house of style himself, Sean Murray. We recorded this episode in June 2016 at the Orlando Water Sports Complex, OWC, down in Orlando, Florida. Sean is always fun to talk to you, and we've really built a great rapport over the years. Many of you remember that Sean even had a video game back in the day, Wakeboarding Unleashed with Sean Murray. Man, the hours I spent in my room playing Sean Murray's Wakeboarding Unleashed on my PlayStation 2. Okay, who am I kidding here? I only played yo-yos growing up. But regardless, it was time well spent, my friends. Let's hear what Sean Murray has to say. What were some of your earliest uh, memories behind the boat? So I actually started on the snow when I was really young. Before they would make harnesses for kids on the snow, um, my dad would just kind of rig up this rope around my body and he would steer me down the run. I, I remember, think that was called a leash. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, I started snow skiing at about two and a half. Then I grew up gymnastics, skateboarding, baseball, in scouts. Um, and when we were in Southern California, uh, my dad bought a boat and it came with water skis. And so we would go down to visit family just an hour south down in San Diego and we would go water ski in the San Diego Bay. And we would also go to Carlsbad Lagoon. And uh, pretty still like a well-known place for wakeboarding. And it was the same day that we had just gotten a kneeboard. And my dad is like very giving, very generous. I'm the middle of three boys and he always provided whatever we wanted to give a shot at. And this is the funny part of like my whole career is that day we were out there, this is like mid eighties. And he had just bought a brand new kneeboard. And when we were there, he, um, he's all excited. He shows this thing, check this out. And like literally five minutes later, a guy goes by standing up on what looked like a stand-up kneeboard. Looking back, it was actually Tony Finn who was kind of like testing out the scurfer at Carlsbad Lagoon, mid eighties. And so five minutes later I go, dad, I want one of those that you can stand up on. I want one of those. And my, my dad looks at me and goes, read my lips. You will never have one of those. <laughs> Sounds like my dad. But no, he like it was so out of character for him because he's normally like so giving. But we just kind of backhanded him because like he had just gotten an e-board. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool and all. But I want that now. You know, a little kid. And uh, I get it now that I'm a father. <laughs> so but yeah, he's like, you will never have one of those, let alone, you know, now that's what I get paid to ride for yeah. the last 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy, though, that how did you figure out that was Tony Finn out there? Um, just the timeline of the whole thing, because there would not be anybody else out there with the location and the and the, the date and time. Um, yeah, and we even talked to Tony about it. We 
talk about all the time. And he's like, oh, you still bring that up. He's like, <laughs> I remember you were that little kid watching me, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, hey, so so moving moving forward, we moved to St. Louis. My dad was an airline pilot for TWA. Their hub was in St. Louis. We moved on to a lake, so it became an everyday after school thing. So my brothers and I, we were kneeboarding, skiboarding, doing all that stuff, watching hot summer nights, um, trying to record those shows that would be on at two in the morning of all the water ski, bud pro tours and everything getting our VCR timer working and uh, it was time for her college and I moved from uh, St. Louis down to Florida because I knew there were water ski teams down there and I also um, found out there was a water ski school that I could go work at. Okay, which so, was, so how much are how much are you actually like skiing and how serious are you taking this in St. Louis like skiing wise? Oh, I was just farting around. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. You okay. say whatever you want. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I was just doing it because it was fun. Like I, I had a good time. I wasn't competing or anything. But you were you're watching Hot Summer Nights. Are there guys you're watching, maybe aspiring to to, to yeah. ski like? Okay, so like? I was 15 years old, and I I would see Darren Shapiro, Dean Lavelle, Jeremy Kovac, Jeff here, Mike Weddington, Kobe Mikasic, Zane Schwenk. I could keep going, right? And I would see these guys compete. And one night, I remember my mom saw the show at the same time. She goes, "You could beat those guys," and I was like, "Yeah, right, whatever." You know, like, that's my mom being Brady Bunch, you know, Brady Bunch mom. And so I didn't really think much of it. And uh, so I was just still barefooting a bit. I came down to Florida for the first time uh, to take lessons from Steve Merritt. And, uh, and I remember getting lessons from him. I was probably like 14 years old, learning to back barefoot. And uh, my brother was 17 years old at the time. And I remember him trying to sell Amway to us. And I was like, what is, I don't even get this. <laughs> He's trying to sell it to young kids. That guy's dedicated. He's good, obviously. But uh, so start, came down. Start them early. Right. So I started uh, doing some barefoot lessons down here. And then a buddy of mine, I was, his name is Jeff. And I'm still good friends with him. He lives here in town now. He came down to Florida to take lessons from Darren Shapiro. And I got his number from him and went, ended up staying with Darren Timeline wise, like so. What are this we is like? when I was 15 years old. I remember because it was my 15th birthday. Uh, because he took me to Denny's because there was a free birthday meal there. <laughs> so, this is like 93 ish. This would be, yeah, like 92, 93. Yeah, like 93. And uh, so I, I wanted to go to wakeboard camp. I didn't know what that entailed, but. It was him picking me up from the airport, um, taking me down to his place. I think we were down in like Kissimmee, stayed in his apartment. I, I slept on just a, a pullout couch, and my job was to take out his dog. His little had a little puppy named Scud, and I I was supposed to take the dog out to go to the bathroom, you know, late at night. So can I tried. I st- can I yeah. stop you there for one this second? This is a funny story. Did yeah. you say the Scud? Yes. Had a dog named the Scud? Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yep. So, so. I'm supposed to take the dog out, go out. The dog wouldn't go to the bathroom. I'm like, just go to the bathroom. Come on. So it wouldn't go to the bathroom. I wake up at like five in the morning and the dog pooped right on the carpet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like now it's my fault and it stinks. And so now I got to go clean this up. And I don't know if I ever told Darren. I cleaned up the dog poo and I, I felt bad. I was like, what do I do? I'm at his house. So I took a couple lessons. When I went down, it was two and a half days of lessons and I wanted to go and learn more flips and I wanted to learn the Rayleigh. At the time I was doing a couple flips and maybe a 360. I spent two and a half days learning how to jump the wake ride. The reason I say that is because it changed how I view the sport. It changed everything about it for me and my understanding of the physics. Because once I got that, things just started happening 
and honestly like that really gave me a leg up and 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 helped me understand how things should happen on the water and so I went home and started learning air rolls and this and that and the other and so 15 16 17 years old I started to spend more time on the wakeboard but still not thinking I'm ever going to do this as a job you know Sean's been telling that Tony Finn story for years now between you and me I'm still pretty skeptical about it but I still get a kick out of the fact that he called it a stand-up kneeboard. It's funny, I refer to wake skating as stand-up kneeboard sometimes, or I tell people not to get confused because it's not a stand-up kneeboard. Anyways, the sport has changed and grown so much, and someone who is currently at the cutting edge of the sport is the man in our next featured clips, Harley Clifford. I had to dig back all the way to episode 21 from July of 2015, but I'm glad I did. Harley was just recently crowned the 2018 WWA Wakeboard World Champion again and has a ton of other world titles to his name. Did I mention he's only 25 years old? You guys probably already knew that, though. The Australian native is doing pretty well for himself these days, and he's even getting to rub elbows with some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Let's take a listen to this audio and see who some of his famous fans are. Hey, when do you think we'll start seeing more 1080s at contests? Don't you think the fans deserve it? I mean, you can do it. Yeah, no, definitely the fans deserve deserve what we got. But uh, I don't know, they're just a, a little bit, they're pretty hard, you know. We go out and I can do them like pretty much every time out, out behind the boat, practicing and stuff. But when you go into a contest, not everything's always right. You know, the wake's not the same as what you used to at home. It could be rough. It could be windy. Um, you got a lot of pressure on you. You don't want to fall. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but give it another year or so, and there's definitely going to be a fair few 1080s going down. I know Corey Tunison has got him on lock. I've got him on lock. Um, I'm sure kids like Marcy and Dowdy and stuff can do them really well as well. So, no, definitely in the next year or so, you're going to start seeing more 1080s. What's the craziest um, encounter you've ever had with a fan? Um, I've definitely had a couple girls. Like in person? I've definitely had a couple, a bunch of girls like freak out and start crying and all that sort of stuff. But uh. Oh, one of the funnest thing, funniest things I ever, like, I guess he's not, obviously not a fan at all, but, like, I met Justin Bieber one time, and he came up to me, and it, I was, like, sort of, like, really nervous to talk to him, and he was like, hey, Harley. I was like, what? How do you know my name? And he was like, yeah, I've seen videos of you and stuff like that, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, like, were they, like, showing him videos, like, on the way to... No, no, I guess he, he like, he, like, right... He oh, posted yeah, a video he's... of him wakeboarding one time. He was yeah. on my wakeboard and stuff, so... And I, uh, I hooked him up with a wakeboard and sent him out a wakeboard, and... He's um been ripping on it now and then. Dude, you should have him shout you out on uh on on Instagram. <laughs> Bring you up to I was gonna take a wakeboard he once when he was in Australia, but then he had to like fl- like fly out to Sydney for an interview or something like that, so I didn't get to do it, but maybe next time. Any of your fans ever like tracked down your house or anything like that? Uh oh, one guy one day I just had some dude rock up to the front of the house and brought a gas can and he was like, Hey, can I come wakeboarding with you? And I was like, Who are you, dude? So did you t- <laughs> did you take him wakeboarding? <laughs> no. <laughs> It yeah. was like at like seven in the morning too. I just went back to sleep. Um, we were like, weird. mate, try again at ten. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, forget the, forget the gas. Bring back some turkey bacon and scrambled eggs or something. Yeah, bring me breakfast, and then maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> Who's the best wakeboarder to travel with? Mm, probably Rusty. He's pretty fun and pretty on it. You know, he's always like, if you get to an airport and you're like late to a flight or something, he'll make sure you get on the plane and like all that sort of stuff. But I don't know, some of the funnest people to travel with are like Steel Lafty and, and Shota Zuka, you know, and Daniel Powers, everywhere we go, we have a good time. Ended up 
missing flights and stuff and I don't know, have beers and stuff in the airport. I've definitely done that who's, a few times. Who's like the worst, Tony Iacone? Oh, yeah, he's pretty hopeless. He just falls <laughs> asleep everywhere. Like you go to the Sky Club, you go go like stand up for like five minutes to go get some food, you come back and he's sleeping. He's like, dude, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's got the Sky Club card? Is that all we of all have Sky Club cards, yeah. No, it's a it's a necessity when you travel as much as what we do. Can you can you take guests in there? Yeah, you got a guest. Don't forget don't forget about the mano, my you friend. You know, have one, man. You travel a fair bit too. I know. I I'm 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 low budget traveling. They always pay for my ticket, and they always True. book me the cheapest flights out there. Dogs. I can't complain though, man. I'm at all, I'm at all the events, my friend. Exactly. I'm at all the events. Say what you will about his music, but the Beebs is still a pretty big deal, and there's no bigger deal than our next guest who has had the distinction of being the most listened-to female in Golden Mike podcast history. I'm talking, of course, about the four-time, 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 four-time X Games gold medalist herself, D Friday, Dallas Friday. She is the most winningest female wakeboarder in the history of the sport, and to this day, she is the only water sports athlete to ever win the coveted ESPY award. Dallas really helped elevate the sport to a mainstream level and inspired a generation of young girls to get in the water in the process. Additionally, she also inspired a boatload of teenage boys to pick up ESPN's The Body Issue, where she was prominently featured in nothing but her wakeboard. All right, let's hear her version, folks. Here's Dallas Friday. First of all, who's the lucky photographer? (laughs) (laughs) Joking. For those who know me, like, I'm... Break the ice. Like, I'm... I can be a real professional and just to have the opportunity, like I was not, you know, I was going to take full advantage of it and wanted to do what I do and be in the zone and, you know, set the scene and show the world what wakeboarding is. And, um, you know, despite being nude, it was like when I was riding, I didn't even think of it like that. It was like, get that grab, poke that. Yeah, you know, um, Jason Lee shot it. We used to be roommates. Um, it wasn't awkward at all. Um, we had a small crew. Where did you guys shoot? And and Blue Lake. Pat set it up. So it, goes. so it was pretty private. It was pretty private, but there were truckers like moving their sand dunes and stuff, and it's kind of funny. Um, so it just get to a point. Where and you're it was like, freezing. I don't care. It was February, but I, we live in Florida. And it's not that cold, but it was a cold day in February. I mean, it was like huddled up in jackets and you wouldn't be out on a boat. So to take off my robe and ride, it was like, I don't want to fall. How many sets did you guys take? I probably took about four sets. But me and Jay Lee, uh, the photographer, I mean, we really wanted to do it right and um, get it done. So prior, he came over. I wore a wetsuit because it was cold, but I wore a bikini over it, and then we'd start working on what tricks and what grabs and what angles he needed to be at that I'd be covering the private parts, and that would work so that when we got to the shoot, it wasn't like, you know, we already had the tricks picked out. We knew what would work and what wouldn't work, so um, it, it went great. What were the what were some of the tricks that you were doing? What, so Indie shifty... Um, he was on a tube, mostly shots from behind or in front, or he was riding doubles with me. Um, and I'd be going over him or he'd be behind me. Indie tantrum, indie front roll. They wanted something that um, 
at first they said inverted and then they said grabbed and then they wanted something that had showed no stickers. So we had a wide range of stuff for them to pick from. Um, and then to see that they came out with a carving shot. But I mean, that's a sick shot, but there was some pretty, pretty amazing stuff we got. But uh, it was a great experience. How long did you know about it? And how long did it take you to get your body prepared for that? It was hard because usually in the season, I'm in a different type of shape, like in the summer, like from riding. And that's where those riding muscles come in. But it was like just the start of, you know, the new year. So I wasn't really competing tons and riding tons because it's the off season. So um, I did a lot of gym workouts, uh, boxing, jump roping, but not as much riding as I wished I could have done. But all in all, you were you were very happy with with what came out of it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, it was fun. There was, was lots of laughs. I know there's people who like to just get angry and say things about things were there anybody that kind of was yeah, upset there was about someone, doing it well I was really kind of hurt when I got uh someone commented on my Instagram disappointed to see me be a part of it and you know saying as a role model you know that's not you know what young girls need to be inspired to do but I think it was tastefully and, done well the, that's the thing it's always been a dream of mine not to be naked in a magazine it has nothing to do with that but to just grow the sport and like be able to get the sport of wakeboarding out there and to be a part of it and the body that God gave me that's allowed me to do this for a living and to show it off it's it's such a cool magazine the body issue to flip through and look at these athletes and just see how you know perfectly created um, God made them to do what they do. And, um, you know, some might not always be, you know, the best looking, but their body is made to make them be the best at what they do. You know, I, I think it was done in a tasteful way. And I think that you probably inspired more women than, um, I hope so. Turn, you know, I hope so. Well, and just to get the sport of wakeboarding in the magazine and, and especially a girl, I think it's just a really cool, wow, like what is that? You know, and it catches people's eye. And Absolutely. Um, and it's not even so much being naked. It's like, yeah, that's kind of like, whoa, wait a second. But it's also a girl, you know, seeing the wake and the boat. And it's like, what is this world? You know, and um, it was, yeah, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And it was a dream come true. Talk about the X Games. You won it. For your first time in 2001, then you won it another three times, a total of four X Games gold medals, plus you pretty much medaled every other year, whether it be silver or bronze. So um, talk about how special the X Games were to you and like wakeboarding in that time in general. Oh, it's, it's so crazy. Um so surreal to think back huge events it would be the biggest event of the year and um just being involved with the other extreme sports and it being a live event too um and the build-up they do and the commercials they would fly you out prior to the contest for and I definitely felt the pressure that's when I actually was nervous somewhat because there was so much build-up and you know winning two x games gold it's like will she win a third you know and it's um it's, it's a lot of pressure but it's all about the story right yeah but it was 
I mean, seeing fans with signs like, I love you, Dallas, or, you know, whatever it may be, it's, it's, the whole setting was totally different than the norm, you know? Um, and you just wanted to go out there and do your best. And, you know, that's just what I go as big as you can, not hold back, have a game plan and just get it done. I'm sitting here and I'm looking around like your house and I'm seeing like all of these trophies and all of these credentials. And I just like, where does the 2016 world championship title sit among the numerous other uh, titles and victories that you've had? You know, I knew I was in the top three and um, I could see it going any way. All three girls rode really good. Um, but to walk up to the rock star uh, leaderboard and before I got there, I think it was Ramy was like, looked up and she's like, you won. And I was like, I was like, no way. I was like, don't mess with me. I was like, hmm. and then she's like, you won. And I was like, coming closer. And I was like, what? I look up and I was just like, you know, and I just like, at that moment, I just looked up in the sky and I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like he's carried me this whole season. And, you know, without him, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And he's my strength. And, um, He's my confidence, and um, I just thank God. And and then I was just really excited. I couldn't wait to call Mike, my mom, my boyfriend. So who um, gets to call first? My Mike? grandparents, you know, and especially Georgia. Like to know that I don't know. Like coming back after it's all for her now. Who are some of the folks like when you were coming up, uh, especially in your early days, the riders that you looked up to, guys or girls? You know, J.D. Webb always comes first into my mind. Not only did I have a crush on him when I was little, I was in love with him, um, but he still kills it today. And I have mad respect for him. And he's one of my favorite riders to watch all time. Um, Murray, Parks, Danny, um, all those boys. Um, Nowadays, like, I I love Shoda. I love watching him ride. Shoda kills it. Steel. Um, Rathy, um, Rath, Jerome. Dallas is someone the sport is lucky to have, and another person the sport is beyond lucky to still have is my next featured guest, B. Rad Smela. Brad and I announced together for a few seasons, and we were able to grow really close over that time. He was a huge supporter of mine back then, and even made an appearance in the early days of the Golden Mike podcast. I'm talking episode eight, people. Sadly, two weeks after we did that episode, Brad sustained a devastating spinal injury that would permanently change the course of his life. He was paralyzed from the neck down and would never wakeboard again. About two years after his accident, Brad agreed to come back on the podcast for a second time and talk about his experience. It was not an easy conversation for either of us, but it was an important one. Brad told me it helped him along in his healing process, and I'm so grateful he decided to join me. Here's just a brief excerpt from that conversation with Brad Smela. Brad Smela and his second audio appearance right here on the Golden Mike podcast. I mean, right away, you got back to the States in what, early March, and literally within a week, you had people there teaching everybody how to deal with emergencies, right? Yeah, Chad and I ended up going to a um, CPR course and and basically learning how to deal with injuries in the water. And, and we 
ended up getting a bit few of the team together and basically running them through the basics of it just in case one of us weren't there. And that was one thing I always made sure of. Well, I, I definitely on that day especially made sure that Chad was going to be there because I knew that if anything went wrong, I wasn't going to try anything like that unless someone who knew how to respond was going to be there. So in a way, it's sort of like, it's kind of one of those things is it's like, had I not had the guy on hand that was needed to be there for, you know, we'd even learn how to, how to flip someone over in the water and protecting a spinal cord injury. Sure. So protecting the neck and making sure they don't damage it even more. So it's a bit eerie how that all played out. Sure. But, um, you know, obviously they, Dean and Chad were the first to get to me and they got me turned over. I was face down in the water and probably hadn't taken a breath for a minute or so. And, um, yeah, they flipped me over and Chad kind of propped me up on a um, paddle board and I think either one of them were about to do CPR or mouth to mouth I'm, I must have known because I started breathing straight away so you <laughs> so 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 they come in for the real thing and your eyes just open back up and so between the time that you crashed on the ramp everything I, I assume just goes black yeah I, at the time I didn't I didn't realize that there had been that space in between so it was just sort of like I'd blinked my eyes. Well, it's kind of like um, just getting knocked out cold, right? I mean, yeah. I think we've all... You come to and you do, it doesn't feel like it's been a couple of minutes. It sure. feels like it's just been a second. So uh, so you so you come back, you're breathing again, but you're you're obviously immobilized at this point. And you you, you look up and, and you, who do you see? You see Chad and Dean right there? Or? Yeah, well, I just, I'm, you know, I remember hearing their voices and kind of, you know, I wasn't able to look around, but saw that you know that the boys were there for me and it was um it was actually quite strange because my first thought was i mean after our oh crap well i used probably put stronger words than that but after that my first thought was all right i've been here before let's just stay calm because it'll come back because back in 2008 or 2007 i think it was when i was in the UK after winning Wakestock, um, I took a pretty solid back edge on a on an air roller blind around the corner at a, at a cable and just got KO'd. And remember coming to and sort of was looking up at the surface of the water. I hadn't floated back up at that point, and I started to try to paddle myself to the surface, and nothing was moving. I couldn't move my body. Just there was this pain through my neck, and there was this uh, ringing in my ears and so I couldn't move and I floated to the surface and I lay there for about 30 seconds and then I started to be able to move again. So I must have, now, now that I think about it, I must have heavily impacted that pretty similar spot on the spinal cord um, back then. And so, you know, coming forward to two years ago, this same thoughts, I was like, it's all good. This is going to come back. And then got pulled back to the beach and... Um, yeah, and I just remember sort of realizing after five minutes, ten minutes, however long it was, it just obviously wasn't in a good way. And um, they got the paramedics out. Para- I, I heard that. I heard that um, you were like telling those guys not to call the helicopter. Yeah. So the paramedics got there. Um, they came in in the ambulance, and then 
because uh, Pratt basically raced to the front gate, um, got them, guided them back there. And so they were probably there maybe 15 minutes after the crash. And then the they basically were like, yep, we've got to call the, uh, we, we need to get the helicopter in. How long was it before you found out about all the support and all the people who were rallying for you? I think I actually, I must have known about it. Obviously, I, I would have been conscious throughout that week, but I just have no mem- not much memory of it now um, because I remember, it's kind of a funny story, and I won't go all the way into it, but I ended up uh, getting a really high temperature uh, up to 108 degrees Fahrenheit, um, which are verging on brain damage temperature there. It was pretty, pretty gnarly on the body. And that that part's not funny, but the funny part is I ended up having some hallucinations, and I thought I'd been kidnapped, and it was um, it, it was just a weird, funny situation. That how it all sort of. You know who kidnapped you? <laughs> it was. Um, it's the weirdest thing. If for anyone out, if for anyone who's ever been in a situation where they've seen someone hallucinate, like you know, they've come up with some really weird connections in their brain and really weird things going on but even talking to Matt Manzari actually he was telling me that apparently he was um, he was hallucinating that he had to give his bedpan to Parks so that he could get it to me because I was in the same hospital and apparently I needed it but that was that was Matt's hallucination my hallucination that it was that I got kidnapped by wake skaters and it's so bizarre that you know I've absolutely nothing about wake, against wake skaters and I'd hope they don't have enough against me to kidnap me but uh, but so I, I guess one of my nurses that was there that was working that night has uh, some similarity in the way they look to a, uh, a wake skater that I know and so I must have just made the connection in my brain and the next thing so going back to the money that was raised I'm kidnapped in this dark hallway crammed in a shopping trolley is basically where I was at and next thing I'm begging for my life trying to or for my freedom trying to I think I was offering about 30 grand at that point because I think that's how much I knew was raised so that's how much I knew was was on hand or you know available to try and get my freedom back so it was a pretty bizarre scenario and and I remember waking up the next day and I was still convinced that I'd been kidnapped and it was it was crazy. I mean I got I got really lucky I didn't actually get kind of yeah, brain damage or get get um yeah, hurt with that. Yeah, you're on it, dude. Yeah. Holy smokes, guys. I'm so glad Brad didn't actually get kidnapped for real. After that episode, I received a huge outpour of support for Brad championing his courage for sharing his story. The support he received from our listeners was genuinely moving. The support he's received from his fans is genuinely moving. And that wasn't all. Runix Week sponsored Brad before his accident, and then the brand has been committed to supporting him throughout his rehabilitation to this day. Another person who's a big part of the Ronix story and even big part of my personal story is our final interviewee, Eric Ruck. Eric appeared on episode 34 of the Golden Mike podcast in January of 2016. In that episode, Eric provided one of my favorite moments ever on this podcast 
when he sang an acoustic version of his song, Trust in You. Now, for those of you who don't know, even though you should, Eric is one of my closest friends growing up, and I remember I would go see his band, Sorry for Laughing, perform when I was in high school. I have so many great memories associated with him, the song, the band in particular. So I was beyond thrilled when he agreed to share it with all of you. Eric probably hadn't played that song in 20 years, but in my opinion, it's only fitting that we end this because Eric opened up a lot of doors for me in the industry. He's a big reason why I'm here today. So I can't wait for you guys to hear this one song with me one more time. So without further ado, let's get to this epic clip with Eric Ruck. A lot of people don't know that when you were in high school, you were in a punk rock band. You were really into punk music. You were in a band called Sorry for Laughing. Mm -hmm. And I saw you guys play live many, many times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, The mosh pits and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know I always stayed far away from the mosh pits. Yes, you did. And I know you don't do this often, but I asked if you'd play a Sorry for Laughing song for us. So... What yeah, do you think? for sure. Yeah, I'm just going to play it acoustic. It's not, I mean, obviously it wasn't, we, you know, we weren't like a hardcore punk. We were more like, you know, along the lines of like a lag wagon-esque right. style. More of like a fat record. We were all super into fat records back in those days. So No facts and all that. So all of the songs you're going to play for us today are going to be acoustic versions or whatever of... I'll some... see what I can do. I haven't played this song probably in 15 years. It's called Trust in You. I think I probably wrote it in maybe 98, somewhere in there. You know, in the age of uh, just figuring stuff out. Right, right. Well, I don't know if they're your golden years. We'll call them your the early days. I'd say more or less the early days, yeah. The early days. All right. Well, let's do this. Is the first. This is the first for the Golden Mike podcast. We we have actually never uh, recorded like music or something. I'm just gonna so. do uh, a verse and a chorus. Cool. I think that'll work. That'd yeah, be sure. Sweet. All right. All right, guys. Well, here it is. This is uh, Eric Ruck playing "Trust in You" by his old high school band. Sorry for laughing. Eons away from us there's life And I don't know if I am right But you know that I have faith in things unseen thoughts above me and you try to wipe my slate clean I put trust in you then you played me for a fool I lost faith in you you don't have Haven't played that in a long time. I got kind of got the chills, man. Brings it back to the old days. It does, right? Yeah. How does that feel, man? Ah, uh, yeah, good. Those are those those are that was a really fun band. Like, obviously, you know, in high school, we were just rocking out. But 
I mean, uh, it was a good band. I mean, we really practiced and uh, we were on our game. And I mean, between, I wrote a lot of the lyrical stuff with a buddy of mine, our drummer, Patrick Joyce. And uh, if kind of read back through some of this stuff, it's pretty deep, compelling stuff. I mean, the music I play right now has nothing to do with deep lyrics. You know, it has to do with just more a musical ad- adventure nowadays, you know what right. I mean? And most of our lyrics mean basically nothing. What was behind <laughs> that song, Trusting You? Um, It was just a, a phase in my life where I felt like, I don't know, just, uh, you know, believing in something that's greater than you, whatever, whatever, whatever you believe in, just, and, you know, the song's called Trust in You, and just having trust in something that is uh, bigger than you. Well, Eric Ruck can sing, he can play guitar, he can wakeboard, he can do it all, just like Ronix Wakeboards, folks. Ronix has spent the last decade solidifying their dominance in the world of wake. With a team of legends, current contest killers, and professional fun havers, along with an evolving line of products for all levels of riders and enthusiasts, Ronix continues to raise the bar and deliver quality products and experiences. Their social media is among the best in the industry, and Eric Ruck runs it. And you can check it all out yourself at Ronix Wakeboards on Instagram or online at ronixwake.com. R-O-N-I-X-W-A-K-E.com. The WSIA and the Golden Mike Podcast want to remind all of our listeners to please wake responsibly. The Wake Responsibly Initiative is a part of the WSIA's waterway protection efforts to help minimize threats to lakes and rivers regarding towed water sports. This initiative was started to preserve the vitality of wake sports for years to come to ensure that we can share our passion with future generations. WSIA is focused on promoting and protecting all towed water sports through best practices, maintaining waterway access rights, educating participants, promoting safety, and facilitating sustainable industry growth. For more information to see how you can do your part to wake responsibly, head on over to WSIA.net. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Yeah! Hey, 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 folks, how cool was that? Listening to some of my favorite clips from our most listened to episodes, what a nostalgic trip down memory lane. How about you guys? What are some of your favorite episodes and guests? Tweet me at the golden underscore mic or shoot me an email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Send me a message to the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page, and I'll be sure to include them the next time we do another best of episode. As for me, coming up next week, I've got the Chicago Boat Show. I'll be closing out February in Steamboat Springs, Colorado with the WSIA Summit. As many of you know, I did win the coveted Larry Medoc Award last year, and I'm beyond excited to be passing the torch on to a new deserving winner this year. After that, I'll be at the Wisconsin Think Tank uh, and Water Ski Convention in early March. That's in Wisconsin Dells. I'll be there promoting Corn Fest. I'll be there recording a live episode of the Golden Mike Podcast. 
with a special returning guest, TK baby, Tony Clarich. We've got some big things in the works, and I'll be announcing them just as soon as I can, folks. Dates are starting to come through right now, so more of those will be posting like in the real near future. Thank you all for listening. An enormous thank you to the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thanks to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, the WSIA, Roswell Marine, O'Brien, Ledwake, Conley, Ronix, Hyperlight, and GoPuck. Behind the scenes, a special thank you to Jenna Carruth on the web, Rich Walsh on the audio, Jane Levy, and Sir Arthur Shabby Shab for all their support. That's all for me, folks, and I do want to let you all know how much I appreciate each and every one of you for spending this time with me, and as always... I am the one and only Noise of the North himself, Dan Alamano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.